trending news right now. So what's happened in the world of social media in the last 24 hours? We speak to Mighty Jamie, who is an analyst, researcher and political and social commentator to unpack that. How are you on this Tuesday, Mighty? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Let's start with the, uh, the news of the live Esitimeni uh, inquiry. Uh, Makabo Manamela, who's taken the stand, uh, she used to head up the mental health care unit at the time of the tragedy. And she's saying that she's been falsely accused of withholding details about the deaths, these 140 deaths. Yeah, well, this uh, life estimate inquest is continuing. And, you know, when I was looking at the story, I was just thinking to myself first that it's been six years and we haven't reached the point where we can make mm. a determination on whether people should be held criminally liable, which is what this is all for, you know. So 144 people died, you know, families lost uh, their loved ones, and still they don't have closure. So in the last testimony, you know, uh, Ms. Menamela actually had said that Kadani Mashlangu was, was the one who was responsible for, you know, shifting the people, putting them in these uh, NGO facilities which had been set up, which are not equipped for this. And obviously her testimony is continuing on this kind of a narrative that she was not the person responsible and um, that she was simply, you know, operating within the framework of uh, the directions and instructions that she was given. But when you think about this holistically, you know, the fact that we are still here talking about life is city many for me is the big tragedy here, yeah. you know, and there's been other scandals in how Deng health since then. So if we keep thinking that, you know, this department of how Deng health, we thought it was fixed, you know, if you think about, oh, former health MEC Kadani Masangwe is no longer in charge, this therefore means that we're going to have a better run of affairs. But we know now from the killing of Papita Dekoran, we know, um, you know, the, the amount of money that was looted during COVID-19 and PPE tender fraud and some other stuff which is happening in terms of tender fraud, which is not related to COVID-19, that there have been massive problems in the Department of Healthcare, but not only just in Gauteng nationally. It's a real worry um, when you think about it systematically. Let's talk uh, civil servants gearing up for a massive strike, and this is as there's a wage impasse. Uh, but also within the, the the unions, there is a bit of dif- uh, difference there. The Public Servants Association wanting a wage increase of 6.5%, while COSATU wants 10%. Yes, so it looks like uh, the issue that, because I think we, we covered this uh, last week as well, is that there is this impasse that has really, you know, come across between where government is and where the civil servants are. And now you can see that there's a consolidation of demand almost, because even though there is this difference, you know, between what the Public Servants Association wants and what Kusatu wants, it's a big it's a big difference, you know, six point five and ten percent. And partly, you know, some people are trying to just get a increase and Kusatu wants above inflation increase. And we know that we're living in a year where there's very high inflation. Because if you just take um, a below inflation increase, it basically is a pay cut in 2022 based on the way things are. So um, tickets are expected this week. Uh, It's going to continue if this thing actually culminates into a national strike, you know, because government is offering only 3%. We're going to see 800,000 civil servants, you know, laying down um, their tools and going into strike, which would be a serious, serious, um, you know, 
impact on one service delivery, but also on the political landscape of the country, because this kind of strike can actually, you know, gain momentum. And a lot of frustration already exists within the body politic of South Africa. So it's something that government really, even though they are saying they don't want to budge, uh, it's a very tricky, tricky terrain. Because you know one thing about workers and people who are really um, struggling is that they're not also going to back down, you know. Everything has gone up. Everything is almost doubled these days. You know, even when I try to track it, I'm like, hang on, that was 10 rand, now it's 20. You know, and we're all feeling the pinch. And you can imagine um, going to workers and saying to them, you only give them 3% is something that I don't anticipate many of them will accept. All right, let's move on to other parts of the continent. Uh, Rwanda accusing the Congo of fighter jet provocation. So a DRC fighter jet entered Rwandan airspace on Monday. Mm, mm. This this issue of the DRC and Congo really and the uh, M23 uh, rebels is one that is ongoing and actually is deteriorating day by day. Because the other day, um, the president of the DRC, Chissi Kedi, was actually saying that, you know, uh, the youth of DRC must fight back against the rebels, basically inciting some form of a civil war, you know. Mm. And if you trace back the issue of this conflict, it goes back to those two minerals, coltan and cobalt. What um, the issue really is that Rwanda actually trades a lot of coltan and cobalt, but there's no coltan and cobalt of noticeable uh, amounts in Rwanda. Therefore, it means that that coltan and cobalt is coming into Rwanda by other means, and those other means could be these rebel-controlled uh, Zamazama type of mines. And this is where DRC takes issue and exception to say, hey, you guys are actually taking some of our minerals. You guys are actually facilitating some of the civil unrest that we continue to have um, in DRC. And as a result of that, you know, we are, you know, sending away your ambassador. We are doing these provocative things and enough is enough. This kind of a thing, though, is very, very, very tricky for regional stability because, one, the DRC has been historically unstable. But if a war were to break out between Rwanda and the DRC, one, Rwanda has a more organized military But two, we just came out of a conflict in Ethiopia that has been resolved through a peace deal. Imagine if we're going into a conflict where Rwanda is fighting the DRC, most most likely in the eastern parts of the DRC. That's not going to lead to stability in a region which has been notoriously difficult to provide stability for. But that will also affect global markets because Mm. coltan and cobalt are used for electronic devices, they're used for these uh, electric vehicles and the DRC produces over 50% of both of those minerals, and not not to mention the other minerals that it produces. So it's a very tricky situation, actually, um, for Africa as a region, but also for, for the global economy. This is exactly the kind of war the world doesn't need in 2022. No. Does it violate, though, Rwandan airspace if this fighter jet was unarmed? And it's claimed that it, it got into airspace by by accident. There was no military action taken, and the jet returned to Congo. Well, to be honest with you, when when it comes to the official narratives of the DRC or Rwanda, I take them both with a pinch of salt. Mm. Um, if they did send a jet there, they were, I think, trying to send a, a message that they too have, you know, military capabilities because, as you know, Rwanda has got a sophisticated army by African standards. So I think that was part of the message. These kind of things don't happen by accident. Uh, But when it comes to the narratives from both sides, I would take them both with a pinch of salt 
because they don't necessarily always communicate the facts as they are on the ground. And the issues here are really contestations around minerals. And in Africa, once politicians start fighting about minerals, you have to look at both sides with a little bit of recalcitrance in terms of believing them. Let's go to Tanzania. 19 people have been killed after a plane plunged into Lake Victoria there uh, this on Sunday. Yeah, this is one, one uh, big tragedy uh, in Tanzania right now. Uh, the plane uh, was trying to get to Bukoba Airport and it crashed, you know, just very close to the runway when you look at the visuals. And um, 19 lives were lost out of uh, 43 people who were flying who were flying on it. It was a small size aircraft, and um, the sad story actually uh, one of these uh, part of the story is that a fisherman who was one of the first responders, mm-hmm. uh, his name is Majaliwa Jackson. Um, you know, he actually tried to rescue people, and he was being instructed by the pilots about what to do, and then uh, somebody else from the plane told him to stop doing what what he was doing because, you know, they were already in communication with the pilots, et cetera, et cetera. It was just a classical case of sometimes the things that happen when someone, you know, maybe a security guard at a complex or anything like that tries to give instructions that are just about power mm. and not about saving people's lives because now the pilots did die. Um, and, you know, he was being told to smash the screen with an axe at a point where he could have done that. Um, so 19 lives have been lost. It's a very big tragedy uh, for yeah. uh, Tanzania. Mr. Jackson himself has been uh, declared a hero, and he has been awarded a small prize, you know, uh, in, in Tanzanian shillings, about um, 500 US dollars, uh, and offered a job in the Fire, fire and Rescue uh, Brigade for his efforts, his bravery, you know, because he was really going above and beyond yeah. trying to rescue people in this flight. But it's a tragedy um, nonetheless, and um, there's going to be an investigation to figure out why actually did this, um, you know, flight crash. It left the Es Salaam, which is a commercial flight. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to, you know, uh, pass by Mwanza and then uh, approach the airport, and then obviously um, things went, uh, you know, haywire, and the airport has now been closed until further notice while they try to uh, determine everything that happened with this particular flight. So there are 26 survivors reportedly, and um, I mean, you can only imagine even the trauma the survivors have experienced in all of yeah, this. Yeah, it's, it's the worst case flight scenario, isn't it? I yeah. mean, one thing that I think it helps us all confirm is that, you know, you can survive if you follow the instructions that they always say on those flights. But still, you know, 19 lives lost is still very scary. And, you know, this is one of the things about flights that even though they don't always crash, the time that they do, they actually are very traumatic experiences and they do make everyone, you know, hesitant to jump onto flights again. And I think this is the second, mm. you know, crash in Africa which has happened, you know. So I think we, we all have to be like very, very circumspect and trying to figure out what happened. Because the last time this happened, we actually found out that one of the big airline carriers had designed a bad, a bad airplane, you know, and tried yes. to push it down everyone's throats, even though they had been told that their airplane is un- unsafe. So we, we, we still all have to follow the story to get to the bottom of it, to make sure that it's not an engineer problem and not a manufacturer problem. President Samia Suluhu Hassan has expressed condolences to the affected. Uh, do you predict uh, that there would be pressure for her to do more than just expressing condolences? 
Well, I, I'm not sure, you know, like uh, we'll have to see how it unfolds. You know, it, it's not necessarily, um, you know, a, a government-related, you know, um, you know, tragedy. And all you can do is, is to offer condolences and maybe she'll attend the funeral, show, um, you know, uh, her solidarity with the people. But I, I wouldn't necessarily expect a harsh reaction to her unless the investigation starts showing that they were government oversight or failures. Uh, to look into maybe some of the problems, then I think the sentiment will really start going against, uh, you know, government in particular. All right. Uh, Sound Awaker, Zenzel and Kosi, we get to that story there that you were commenting on earlier. So Sonia Booth accusing Matthew Booth of infidelity in a series of Instagram posts, the cheesecake saga. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Cheesecake or Tupperware Saga, I don't know which one to call it. <laughs> it it's both, really. Uh, Mr. Matthew Booth is, is a cheesecake factory, and it seems, it seems that's how he communicates affection to people. And uh, it was his downfall because it's one of the most complicated uh, cakes to make an arrangement for. So he uh, made a cake and then didn't uh, overnight uh, before his son's birthday. So everyone in the house was smelling the delicious aromas, expecting that tomorrow you know, the birthday will be blessed with uh, the classic cake. So it was the son's birthday coming up, yes, and they thought the cheesecake is for them in the house. Yes, only to find out that all they were going to get is the the aromas and no no taste. (laughs) And uh, the the, the cake actually led uh, to, I think, the most surprising scandal of of the year in terms of its unexpectedness, you know. So discussions around infidelity, discussions around, um, you know, how to manage relationships in in a manner that are constructive. Because on the other side, it's two married couples, uh, you know, two interracial married couples which are uh, going through some uh, experiences of infidelity. So there are many people making jokes about the situation and many people also having conversations around fidelity, conversations around, you know, um, what is the right response to these kind of things. And it was very explosive. I mean, we're still all going to be following it because it broke later on in the day, you know, and started gaining momentum a bit later. So it's one of the conversations that um, is going to happen on on social media, I anticipate, for many days. Uh, Ms. Booth, actually, uh, Sonia went through a very, very meticulous process of, you know, following her car, which was used uh, for one of the excursions, finding the name, finding an address, speaking to the partner on the other side, sharing files. They both ran a co-investigation to get to the bottom of it. And the explosive video was when she went to get a, her, her cheesecake tap away, which was part of the scandal. I know for a fact, my aunt always, always, if you take a tap away from her, you are going to every time she sees you be grilled. No, you don't mess with the tap away. You don't. You absolutely don't. I've come don't. to understand. <laughs> I've come to understand why. Because that thing is not cheap. I've bought a few tap now and I too keep my eyes on them because I'm like, mm, somebody here came, took some prime meat, and now my big Tupperware is gone. And when I see them, I'm also like, hey, chief, where's my Tupperware? We're just <laughs> so, attached to them also. I mean, over and above the price that we pay for them, there's just something about it and black women. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. So I, I, I totally get it. And maybe he, he did not understand that one critical part of black culture is that if you touch Tupperware, the FBI will start looking for that Tupperware. <laughs> and if you don't want them to find the address, then you better just buy buy some plastic box and go deliver your stuff. 
So she quite detailed this affair on Instagram. I mean, also there were bottles of cologne over and above the cheesecake that was baked for allegedly the other woman. Flowers were involved and lunch out, uh, according to bank records. And I guess my other question now is the other woman being said as the other woman uh, who's also reportedly married and mm. uh, she met and, and discussed the matter with the, uh, the the other woman's husband. Who is the actual other woman here? Both women are married and both men are married. Who's the other man? Uh, so I don't know who the other man is, right? Uh, but I think the lady's name is Bongani Mola or something to that effect. So I don't know who the name is. Mr. Mula, I guess, is, is, is his name. Uh, but yeah, it did, it did look like the other lady was crossing the line a little bit, even in the photos, and maybe that may have sparked some suspicion because she was really grabbing Matthew's waist, you know, very lovingly in, in, in pictures which are supposed to be for like, uh, you know, sponsored uh, fitness work. Mm. So um, it's it's quite dramatic. And obviously, yeah. uh, th- these kind of responses come from a place of trauma. They come from a place of hurt and anger. And obviously, these are not our lives. So, you know, social media consumes this kind of content with glee and with sudden fraud. But many lives here have been affected. Yeah, they've got kids. Yeah. Yeah, these are teenagers. Most of the kids, you know, one of them is actually, uh, I think, 18. So he may still be going to high school and may have to face, you know, the whole school, which was on social media, either on Instagram or on Twitter. And, and that's now, exactly the thing, yeah, yeah. As much as we discuss things uh, and, and fun is, is made, there are people, real people, with real emotions who are affected. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it, 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 it's, it's part of our whole collective thinking because, you know, we also watch these shows about cheating, on Moja Love, and we, 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 we follow all of this content. And, I mean, even in America, Cheetahs was a big show. And I think we, we do need to have discussions just around... Um, fidelity, infidelity, and how we manage these things. But at the same time, we can't control people's responses. You know, Mr. Booth was deceptive. You know, the other husband, at least he knew that his wife, uh, you know, is not, uh, you know, she's not she's not a one-man woman, basically, because he said he's been dealing with that problem for 10 years. If you believe Sonia's version, because she said she spoke to him and got her, her, his permission. So there's different conversations there about fidelity that needs to happen. But ultimately, I really did end up thinking that, oh, you've got teenagers here, and mm-hmm. this is not the kind of thing a teenager wants to deal with. The kind of jokes that will be uh, told at their expense are the kinds that really can be traumatic for the rest of your life. Teenagehood is hard enough without, yeah. you know, the family business, uh, intimate business being online. I mean, people will now start buying you cheesecake every day at school. You know, it's, it's just not uh, the kind of thing you want to, you probably would have to change schools. Oh, man. That's the part I don't like about this whole thing. But uh, let's leave it on that. Uh, we really appreciate your time, Mighty. Always appreciating your analysis. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Righty, Jamie is an analyst, researcher, political commentator, as well as social commentator. That's on our trending news.